invite you to have a seat as that just resonates in you that God's with you, He's for you. Great thing. And journeying with us in our series through John's Gospel that we may believe in Jesus. We find ourselves today at the end of chapter 16. And there's a shift here because at the end of chapter 16, into chapter 17, Jesus prays three prayers. So we're going to look at each one of those in the next three weeks. And then when we get into chapter 18 through to 21, we're basically looking at the story of the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, the resurrection. And so we're nearly at the point where these are Jesus' last disciples. Um, famous last words, last words to his disciples. And so can I encourage you, there's not going to be anything on the screen, can I encourage you to get out your phone or your actual Bible or get something where you can look at some scripture and turn to John chapter 16, starting in verse 16. John 16, 16. Now what Jeff Nagel and I were able to do this week is unpack this passage that we've recorded and put that onto YouTube. Um, and so today I just want to take out a little aspect of that. Already an unpacking of this passage that's available on YouTube and on our podcast. But this morning I just want to unpack a little bit of it and then as a family go into having communion together on the back of what Jesus is saying in this passage. So in verse 16 says here, this is Jesus talking, In a little while you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that you will see me again. And some of the disciples asked each other, What does he mean when he says, In a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I am going to the Father? And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. He realised that they wanted to ask him about it, so he said, Are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said, in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. Love to have been a fly on the wall. These guys just sitting there, what's he talking about? We don't get it, he's talking in riddles. Now, we've got the insight and the hindsight to look at this and go, I think it's pretty clear what Jesus was talking about. In a little while you won't see me because I'm going to be crucified and buried. But a little while after that, you will see me again because I'm going to rise from the dead. I've been telling you guys all about this for quite a while. Still don't get it. And so verse 20. Jesus, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labour. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. Again, we've got hindsight because we know how the story unfolds. Being one of the disciples sitting there going, what is he talking about? I do like the fact that a man said this and a man wrote this and a man has never gone through childbirth. 
But there is a connection there, that idea of that the, there is anguish and pain, but it, there is joy that comes due to that. No one will rob you of that joy. Now, hopefully right now, getting back to what we've looked at in the last couple of weeks, where Jesus talked to his disciples and said, my joy will be made complete in you. I will give you my joy and it will be the joy that overflows in you. And then we get to verse 23. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything, Jesus says. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. There it is again. Joy. I believe that's what the kids are making a music clip of joy. So I'm looking forward to saying that. You won't need to ask me for anything. At this point in time, Jesus was the mediator between the disciples and God. Jesus was the go-between. If they wanted to connect with God, they were connecting with God through Jesus. And he kept saying, hey, I am in the Father and the Father's in me. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is all the stuff we've been unpacking in the last few weeks. But now he's saying, you can now go to the Father directly. That is unheard of in the Jewish culture. You had priests to do that. And you had the high priest. And the high priest only once a year could even go in to the Holy of Holies in the temple where God's presence was. If you want a direct access to the Father, it was not open to just anybody. And Jesus is saying, hang on, things have changed. I'm doing something new here. And again, if I was a fly on the wall, these disciples would be going, what? This doesn't make sense. That's not how things work. And again, Jesus says in this passage, ask me for anything in my name. Ask the Father for anything in my name and it will be done for you. This is about the fourth time in the last couple of chapters where Jesus says those words. And then we get to verse 25. I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech or in parables or in riddles, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Verse 28. Yes, I came Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. And his disciples said, At last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. Now that phrase, you came from God, is packed with meaning. It's, we now believe you are the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God, the One equal with God. We now believe it. When do they now believe it? Right at the end of Jesus' time with them. We now believe it. And here's the bit that I think we can all relate to. Because we can say we believe it. And the question is, do we really believe it? Now, Jesus knows this. 
Disciples just said in verse 30, from this we believe that you came from God. In verse 31, Jesus asks, do you finally believe? Do you, do you really? Because the time is coming, indeed it's here right now, when you will be scattered. Each one going their own way, leaving me alone. Do you really believe? When the pressure's applied, do you really believe? Or do you just say you believe? Because your actions are going to speak louder than your words. Each one is going to go their own way, leaving me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Again, echoes of that whole passage in chapter 15. I am in the Father and the Father is in me and you are in me and you are in the Father and it's like, a, like this vine with a branch attached and when you're actually connected, that's the whole relationship works. I'm not alone, Jesus says, because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Take heart, take courage, be encouraged. I have overcome the world. What does Jesus mean by the world? We talked a bit about this the last few weeks too. It is everything encompassing from the, from the Jewish faith and traditions and religion and customs right through to the way of the, the culture and thought patterns and paradigms and worldviews, all of that, Jesus says, I have overcome it. Now, notice Jesus is saying, I have overcome the world before he goes to the cross. Let that blow your mind a little bit. He's not saying, I will overcome the world. He says, I have overcome the world. And he hasn't even been arrested yet. Think about that. If you're like me, you were taught that it's, it's the blood shed on the cross that does all this atoning work. And that's absolutely true. Notice Jesus said a little bit before this, back when he was washing the disciples' feet, he said to the disciples, hey, you are already clean. You are already forgiven. You are already right with God because of the word I have planted in you. This is before he went to the cross. So we have seen in John's Gospel, we have seen Jesus overcoming the way the world is broken. We have seen him restore sight to a blind man. We have seen him heal a paralyzed man who can walk. We have seen Lazarus from the dead. Remember these were some of the signs that were part of the first part of John's book? There were seven signs. Jesus has already overcome everything that's broken in the world because he is God in the flesh. He is not part of the sinful, broken world. He is the new Adam, the new humanity, the new mankind that relates to God and others and creation in a beautiful, perfect way. So Jesus is saying at the end of all of this discourse, a new way is coming. Jesus has modelled it, he's inaugurated it, he's demonstrated it 
and he's inviting us and the disciples in this point into it. It's a new way of life. No longer do you have to go through customs and rituals and priests and sacrifices. You can come directly to the Father. He's saying it right here. You can come directly to the Father. This new way, this new life, this kingdom of God life is what some of the other Gospels describe it as. It's a kind of life with God the Father that up to this point in history was not available to people. It was available to Jesus and Jesus has imparted that to his disciples and to us. And the thing that enables all of this to actually open up the door of the invitation is the crucifixion, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, which we're about to get to in John's Gospel. And so what I want to do now, I want us to pause as a community and have communion together.